Little roller up along first. Behind the back. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. A 2-1 pitch. And a drive in the air to deep right field. That ball headed toward the wall. That ball is out of here. Out of here. A game-winning grand slam home run off the bat of Robin Ventura. Hey. And it's hit deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home run. Mike Piazza and the Mets lead three to two. Turner drives one to center, chasing Nimmo back to the warning track right at the fence. He made the catch! Oh, wow! The catch of the year for Brandon Nimmo! He took a home run away from Justin Turner! Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in 10, 9, Welcome to another edition of the Shea Hello podcast. My name is Casey Lynn. I am joined by my co-host, Bill Pulsifer, as we are entering episode double digits, number 10. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm good, Casey. How about yourself? I'm doing well. And uh, man, do we have a lot to catch <laughs> up on. Uh, we uh, missed last week, uh, but... Like we mentioned to everyone following, we are back uh, this week. And before we get into what we need to get into, I just want to th- uh, say thank you to everyone watching us here on YouTube at Shea Hello Media on YouTube and everyone listening, whether it's on Spotify, Apple, Google, all the platforms we're on the Shea Hello podcast, Shea Hello podcast, however you want. Um, and a special shout out to our producer. You do not see him. But he is here, Steve in white. Uh, I recommend you go to his website. He's got a company uh, that could very well work out for you. It's roots-recordings.com. Roots, plural, dash recordings.com. Steve in white, our producer behind the scenes. Thank you very much, Steve, as always. So, Bill, I, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I mean, there we missed one week. You know, and episode 10, and we mentioned this all throughout, there's never a dull day in Bethlehem. And we are in the offseason now. The regular season's over. We are in the middle of the playoffs. And it's still true. There's never a dull day. So I guess we'll start it off with this. It, it, it would be respectful to do it. Tim Wakefield. Yeah. Um, you, you knew Tim. I did. I did not. He passed away, yes. and my condolences to you as you were a friend of his, his family, and everyone, of course. Uh, it's a terrible tragedy, 57, brain cancer. No knew about it till really the day of. Uh, rest in peace, Tim, and I just want to get your thoughts on Mr. Wakefield, who had a, a big impact on the Boston community. Yeah, I was, um, I was lucky enough to be a teammate uh, of, of Wakefield uh, in 2001 in Boston. Um, and he was a tremendous teammate, uh, very likable guy, got along with everybody in the clubhouse, clubhouse staff, everybody. 
just a really, really down to earth dude, just a great guy. Um, and it's very, very sad. Uh, way too young, obviously. 57. Uh, yeah. Surprise. Um, you know, tragic surprise, obviously. But um, I'm lucky to consider him a, a, a friend and a, and a, a former teammate. And um, he was a special guy. And it's, it's a shame. I feel for his family. I feel for uh, all of his all of his loved ones. And uh, he was a big part of the baseball community. Um, obviously, not a lot of knuckleballers out there. He was the uh, the the gold standard for quite a while for knuckleballers. Yeah. Until Dickie came along a little bit. Um, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure Ra learned learned some. You know, had some phone calls with Tim as well. But uh, great guy, great teammate, and uh, may he rest in peace. That's well said. Yeah. I mean, I, I not knowing him, I affiliated him with the the Red Sox and their, you know, '04. Obviously, 03, you know, when he gave up that big home run to Aaron Boone and then Red Sox won the World Series in 04. Right. But more so just a knuckleballer. You don't see many of them. Yeah. Uh, and from everywhere, everybody that I saw a tweet or anything I heard about him, just a good guy, you know? Good guy. So, like you said, rest in peace, gone too soon. Absolutely. Let's move on to uh, big news in Mets land. Uh, we haven't had a, a chance to talk about it, uh, but we knew it was going to happen, and it became official. David Stearns is the first ever president of baseball operations uh, for the New York Mets. Yeah. Steve Cohen was all over him from the get-go when he took over ownership, but he was not available because he was under a contract with the Brewers. We'll get bypass everything. He's now under Mets control, and – he cleaned house already. Yes. Uh, you know, I could segue to the next question, but before I do that, uh, we're talking about Buck Showalter and how that was handled. Cause it was kind of interesting. Uh, we knew that David Stearns was a possibility and it became reality. And now the Mets have their, a top guy and it all obviously is connected with Billy Epler at that time was still under Mets team control. And that changed, you know, so many moving parts. Yes. Uh, but we'll keep it very simple. I'll go with my my thoughts first with David Stearns. Steve Cohen wanted him ever since he took over ownership in 2020. He wanted that top guy with top experience, and Stearns was his guy. He grew up a Met fan, diehard guy. Uh, Met fan grew up at you know at Shea, just like I did. You know, you pitched there. Uh, I'm sure, he snuck into a game or two while you were pitching. Uh, he mentioned that at his press conference. Uh, he's a diehard Met fan. It's crazy. You know, he mentioned that at his press conference. The The baseball part of it is that he ran the near, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, a low-budget team, not a high-payroll team. Now he comes to the Mets, the opposite. Very analytical, very smart, a Harvard grad. And obviously he's got full reign. He really does. Whatever he says, I believe, Steve will go with. That's why he trusted him, gave him a five-year deal, gave him a lot of money. And yep. we've seen what's happened since. I think the Mets are in good hands. We haven't seen, obviously, anything. We're in the middle of playoff baseball. Can't talk to any managers right now. Uh, but I think the Mets are in good hands. Steve Cohen knows what he's doing. He knows who he's hiring. Uh, and he's got a good track record, David Stearns. No, he hasn't won a World Series, but he's got all the resources now. So I think it's a win for the Mets. I want to get your thoughts, Bill. Yeah, I think, obviously, you hit it right on the head, Uh the owner got his guy, the guy that he wanted. 
um, a guy that's had success in a small market uh, with limited resources uh, has done a very good job there. Obviously, very analytic, uh, analytical guy. But I think that they have had a guy in the dugout who I'm sure we'll get on to talking a little bit about here in the next little bit, yep. who to me seems like a little bit more of an older school guy. So maybe there's a nice little mix and match of the, the analytics as well as the, the eyeball test that they like to say or use in the gut that um, that a guy like Craig Council, who comes from another, you know, an older an older style of, of ball player because he had to be gritty as hell to to get the most out of his his talent yeah. that he had. He wasn't blessed with super size or anything and obviously has a great baseball mind. So um, I think it is a win for the Mets. They got their guy. Uh, no excuses now because um, <laughs> that's the guy that they're, you know, they had yeah. the, the target on. And uh, he has done a good job in Milwaukee. And obviously we all hope that uh, that will lead to bigger and better things in uh, in Queens. Yeah. Uh, I just love the connection. Not that it really means anything, you know, because uh, Steve Cohen grew up, you know, like right. loving the Mets. Like, right. okay, great. It's, it's just fun. Uh, I would say it can't hurt. You know, it can't, it can't hurt. Right, right. You know, it can't, Mets it can't, fans are obviously very, very passionate fans. Uh, the fan base is one of the most passionate in all of, in all of sports, yes. let alone baseball. So um, obviously they're going to have a little bit of blood in the game uh, for other kind <laughs> of business. But uh, for wanting to to put the the organization in its rightful place and uh, up where to you know the top of the top of the standings and trying to get into the playoffs on a regular basis and hopefully get that World Series. Well, I'm glad that you said that. David Stearns got into the playoffs on a regular basis with Milwaukee, and he did it with a bottom tier payroll team. You know, he did it through a farm system. He did it through a couple trades that worked out well. Yelich, you know, Willie Adamas. Um, you know, he knows what he's doing. Smart guy. Uh, and you know, his press conference is really what we can go off of, of just trying to get to know him. You know, we could go by and we'll talk about the moves that have surfaced so far, but, uh, the, he was very alert to what was, and, and he should have been about right. what was going on in Metsville. He knew that he was going to be hired. Pete Alonso and you and I have talked a lot about extending Pete and a lot has transpired. David Stearns went out of his way during the press conference to say, we're not trading Pete during the offseason, which made every Met fan very happy, Absolutely. obviously. We never wanted to trade Pete. Um, so that doesn't mean he's going to be here you know, in 2025. It just means that David Stearns, for now, who's running the ship, sees the value. And I agree with David Stearns. There's no point in trading him now. And – you know, that just lessens the stress of a lot of people. Uh, I, I, would hope, I don't know if you agree with that, you know, because there's a lot of – he didn't even have to go there, but he did, you know. So it was a tactical, tactical way of him, you know, saying, hi, Mets fans. You know, I'm not – I'm with you. I know he's a homegrown star. Don't worry, I'm not training him. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that anything that Stern says doesn't have some thought process behind it. Obviously, when you're a, a top professional, top executive, you kind of got to have that approach where I'm not just saying things just to say things. I've thought yeah. these things out prior to saying these things. Um, and obviously, we saw that Pete got a new agent as well, which is not surprising at all. Uh, so he's going to look. I mean, he's yeah. got to look over there in Atlanta and see the, the amount of guys that have been signed before it was time for them to be signed. And it's got to look. He's only human. And he's put up uh, great numbers for years now. So it's only human to to kind of wonder a little bit as to what's going on. But now with the new beginning, a fresh start, 
Yep. Hopefully the organization in the front office can get a fresh start with Pete and they can get on, off on the right foot and we can get things where they need to be with, with an organizational guy that we all want to see wearing the blue and orange for his entirety of his career. So uh, I think it's a good thing. Um, Pete's going to play the game as well. And I'm sure that Stearns is going to play the game as well, but I would hope that behind closed doors that they're going to be able to kind of turn the page, uh, fresh, clean slate here. And let's go from, from day one now, as opposed to anything that's happened in the past. That's where it gets a little tricky. So yeah, he, Scott Boris, he signed the shark, the number one agent in the business. <laughs> Now, we could spend a whole podcast on just Pete alone and, you know, him signing Scott. Uh, he did exactly what Brandon Nimmo did last year. He was with his agency until his walk year, and he signed Scott Boris and played out his 2022 year, had a great year, and had a lot of teams after him. We talked about this, and he got lucky. You know, not that he had a great year, that the market was set up for him, that a lot of teams were looking for an outfielder. Right. So here we are with Pete, did the same thing, hired Scott Boris, Boris Corp, if you will. Uh, and you can't blame him. He has a right to do, you know, sign any free agent that will help him get top dollar. But where I get a little worried, for lack of a better word, is – Scott Boris's clients always go to the free agency and just like Nimmo did. So I'll leave it with this before you chime in. They let Nimmo go to free agency, just like probably Pete will. Pete will take the risk, if you will, of playing out that walk year, no injuries, knock on wood, you know, just like Judge did. And he hit 62 home runs. Right. And we'll see what happens. Well, and I think Pete is. I that's think a risk Pete that he's willing to take. Yeah, I think it's a risk that Pete. I take himself as a I'll bet on myself type of guy, and it wouldn't be surprising now he at is. this point that that things didn't happen with a contract prior to. At this point, what is he? You know, he doesn't have anything to lose at this point because he believes in himself. He believes that he's going to go out and put up numbers. Uh, he doesn't anticipate having a, a down year because he's he's a very right. positive and confident guy in himself. So at this point. I don't think anybody will be surprised if this does play out into the offseason. But like you said, they did get their guy again with Nimmo when it came down to it. And yep. uh, hopeful thinking, obviously. But I would think that, you know, I would think that they're going to – Pete loves being a Met. I, I think that's that's plain and simple. It's fascinating, you know? Bill. It really is fascinating because you have so many variables. Like you said, like he loves being a Met. He, it's not fake. It's real. We feel it, you yeah. know. But he also knows his worth. He knows his historic start to his five-year career. And it, it, he hired Boris, which means a lot. And it, it, it's going to be fascinating to see how it, it unfolds, you know? Like, it, it, it's a little worrisome for a fan. But it, it's also fascinating because as much as I love Brandon Nimmo, you know, the Mets gave him a couple extra years, you know? And, and his, the contract is fine in terms of AAV. But they did what they had to do, and Brandon wanted to be a Met. Well, exactly the same thing. A Mets guy. Another a, right. Brandon was a Mets guy. You know, guy. It's it's hard nowadays to to have guys that come up through your organization, grow through your organization, and become superstars Start. or star right. players or starting players or you know, Gold Glove caliber players, whatever that may be. Improving players. Nimmo's improved pretty much every single year. Um, Obviously, we've talked about Pete and his batting average. We'd like to see that go up, but he did have some some uh, outside things going on this year with injuries and that. Um, 
You just Charlie Morgan, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't play into his psyche of trying to have to hit 60 home runs, of having to hit 300. You know, if he, if he can yeah. just be himself, then I think that the numbers will take care of themselves. And he, he's, he's, he'll, earn, he'll earn every dollar that he gets, you know. And yeah. That's just the way it goes. Pete said uh, in his exit interview, if you will, the last one after the year, uh, you know, obviously it's going to be upbeat. And he said, you know, he's happy his uh, defense improved. And, uh, you know, he's all about that, which I get, because he could let his stats speak for himself offensively. Uh, I just, with Pete and Nimmo, they're exactly what you said. Two homegrown stars that they, they locked up one. We were worried that Nimmo maybe would have left. And I don't know if it would have been the end of the world. But, you know, we've seen, Nimmo had a great year. He had a career year in terms of the games played, triples, you know, career year and a lot of stats and i actually we did uh some uh grading on our uh say hello media newsletter and we're up to two and we'll get through a lot of it i want to know what you think we talked we we spoke about this but i i did my own grading and i actually did nimbo and alonzo so this is a perfect opportunity after the year's over i gave nimbo an a minus and i gave pete Man, a B plus or a B? I want to say B plus. And the reason I gave A minus to Nimbo is because he set a lot of career highs and he did have a great year. He sacrificed a lot of his attributes to get paid top dollar, but he still put up the on-base percentage that got him top dollar. And then Pete, you bring up the average, 218, not going to cut it, not hitting to right center. But 46 home runs, 118 RBIs, OPS over. Those don't grow on trees. Take my assessment out of it. We talked about it, but now that the year's over, what what are your grades for those two? I I think I set them both. It's nice, solid Bs, maybe B plus. Obviously, Nimmo batting average dipped a little bit towards the end. But yep. uh, with what they bring in tangible wise, you got to give them a little bit of points credit that way. Um, career high numbers for Nimmo in a lot of his categories. So yeah, I'm going to go, go good, good solid B's for both. But you, okay. I mean, we've talked about this numerous times with me. I still believe in the batting average, and I'd like to see that up because if you're getting a higher batting average, you're automatically getting on base more. So, so that that raises everything. Let me ask you a question: as a pitcher, former MLB pitcher, yeah, Nimmo obviously sacrifice this was a game plan his on base percentage you know and all that for power he said a career home run you know 24 home runs career high triples career high you know extra base hits career high you know a couple other things dipped but not dramatically as a pitcher could you do that you know if you let's say you know your game you know you're out you're a strikeout guy and you want but you wanted to limit walks so Let's get rid of the strikeouts and have more focus on control. How hard is that as a major league player at the top level of the sport in the world to have that mindset and adjust and, you know, everything like that? Is it hard, easy? I I mean, obviously, I think that you can, as a pitcher, let's say you're a four-seam guy. And okay. uh, we'll use Cole as a good example because he was a guy that when he was in Pittsburgh and that threw a lot of two-seam Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole. Threw a lot of two-seam fastballs. And then through when before he got there, and then when he got to when he was in Pittsburgh, then when he got to Houston, he got the pitching coach there who told him about right, throwing riding four seam high fastballs. Yeah. So can that be done? 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, I would say it's a little easier maybe for a hitter to say I'm going to ditch the the on-base percentage to try to swing out of my ass a little bit more to try to hit the ball over the fence than it is for a pitcher to try to, especially if you were such a two-seam guy or you're such a four-seam guy, for you to take a little bit of time in an offseason and then say, okay, I feel comfortable to bring it into a game. Uh, I think right. the elite, elite level guys can do that, but it's not easy to do because there's been plenty of times over the years where I think back where I'm like, man, you know what? I was working on this pitch for a long time. And then I just never felt like I felt a hundred percent comfortable with it in the game, in well, the game situations. So it would it be, so that's a great point because I would think just by hearing you a little harder for pitchers. I think it's a position, little harder for, yeah, I think it's a little harder. Position I mean, players look, play every, they play every day. You're working bullpens, you know, right. and then you, you start. Yeah. You have more game so, experience, more game right. time to get it going where if you're a starting pitcher, you have your bullpen in between and you can say, man, I really like the way that my changeup felt. I changed my grip a little bit. And then you get in the game and yep. you get so worried about, you know what, if I throw a bad one here and it hits it over the fence, I don't have the time to, I don't have the time to, to give up that right. run at that point and in time. If you're a relief pitcher, you can't go out there <laughs> trying to fiddle around. You know, oh. you got to get those outs right now. Where if you're an everyday player, you're going to get three, four, five at bats night in right. and night out to continue to work on things. And including look at your, Phil. Including your spring yep. training where you're getting those at bats in spring training. You know, you're seeing live batting practice. You can make yeah. a more concerted effort to try to make those adjustments. Yeah. And, and the weird thing, Nimmo didn't play in spring training. Not that he was hurt. He just, you know, knew his body and he said, I'll save it for the regular season. And he did play a career high. And what you said I wanted to ask you this question. I was always curious. How many times, for you personally, did you feel great in the bullpen before a start and then come out and have shit? And then the opposite, where you felt like shit in the bullpen and then have your best stuff on the mound? Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely a thing. And it's, it's more, times than, more times than you would believe, to be honest with you. And that took a little while coming through the minor leagues when you're having those days when you're in the bullpen and you were like, oh, man, I don't have anything today. And I look back to Randy Neiman, who was one of my best pitching coaches coming through. He was my yeah. pitching coach in AA and then my pitching coach in AAA and then my bullpen coach in the major leagues. Uh, one of the calmest, most smooth guy you'd ever meet, man. Never, never out of, you know, never goes crazy. And it, it took me a while to in those situations to learn, you know what? Don't worry about how you're warming up right now because you're going right. to go out there and it'll come. And then those days where you were feeling really, really good, you had to fight yourself not to go out there and try to overthrow the baseball because you felt like you felt a little fresher than you usually do because a lot of times you'll give up a double and a home run and you're like, man, my stuff's so good today, but you're overthrowing and you throw the ball over the middle of home plate <laughs> and they whack the baseball. But uh, it, is definitely, right. it is definitely a thing and it happens more often than one would believe. Yeah, I've heard, you know, opposite ways. You feel like crap, fish great, you know. You're going to be all right. Feel great? Like the, it's like... You're it's out like the, the weather. You're, saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you're out in the third, and you're like, "What the hell just happened?" <laughs> yeah, that's that. Yeah. Uh, so let let's go to what we were we were talking about a little bit before, and I'd be remiss if we didn't finish it. So Stearns in wasn't officially hired until the next day, uh, but he made the decision before Buck out. Now we could talk about it. Buck Showalter resigned, aka fired. You know, mm. let's put it yeah, the, the way that it really is. But there's a lot of fans that don't didn't like the way that the Mets handled the last game of the year 
and how it went down. And he had the celebration. I don't know if you saw it, the last game of the year. And, you know, they gave him the tribute on the scoreboard. He, you know, exchanged the line of cards at home plate. All the players came out ovation. All the fans ovation. It's like he got his last hurrah. Not many managers get that. No. You know, you're you're fired in the offseason. Goodbye. Next. You know, it's a cutthroat business. I I think a lot of that has to do with just baseball in general's respect for Buck, Buck Showalter as a baseball guy. You know, and this might be his last. Um, the types of guys that are getting hired, they're going for younger guys, more analytical guys. So, um, this, yeah. you know, I think that they kind of paid tribute a little bit to him. Um, I'm sure he wasn't really happy with the way things went down, and that's why he did no. what he did in the press conference. Uh, I don't know why you don't wait another 24 hours. If he announced it. Case, I don't it was- I don't know if you saw it, like you're alluding to it, but he literally, he was the one that broke the news. Yes. I've never seen that before. I think that he was going to go and do that on his own terms a little bit. So, yeah, that's a little little unheard of, but I think that that was his yeah. way of saying, I'm going to jump in front of this. Yeah. Uh, it was weird, but I, I, I didn't have a problem with yeah. how they did it because most managers are just out, you know, and they don't get a send-off. Yep. And he was here for only two years, and – Honestly, he didn't accomplish anything. You know, not talking about the man buck. I'm talking about the, the the manager buck. He has a year left on his contract. He'll get paid. I know that he wants to manage again. Uh, there are some openings, obviously. I wish him nothing but the best. Right. Uh, and that will lead me to my next question. Who in the hell is managing this team next, Bill? I. It's, that's a real good your, question. Your opinion. It's a real good question. Uh, I can tell you who I'd like to see. Um, I've got two people Please, on my list fair that I would, like, I would like to see. Obviously, Craig Council would be one, just a familiar, familiarity. Jeez, that's a hard word to say. With uh, with Stern. Familiarity, yeah. That's a hard word to say. Um, they know each other. <laughs> they know how each other work. Uh, proven track, word, uh, track record of, of winning. Obviously, not a World Series yet. Not easy to win a World Series in Milwaukee. Game, um, game by, so everyone listening, Game 7, NLCS 18 was the furthest they got. Yeah. So no World Series, like you said. Go, go ahead. But I like him as a, yeah. a more old-school, hard-nosed guy with the mix of the of the analytics that we know is going to is taking over baseball. Not, yep. as a, look, I'm old and crotchety now. I'm not a, huge, <laughs> not a huge fan of it, but that just knows – that just – I know I'm he, old. Um, second guy – By the way, I'm sorry. I got to cut you off. Bill just celebrated a birthday. You just mentioned you're old and you're – whatever the hell you just said happy birthday you know yeah 50 yeah i'm not 50 but how does it feel to be 50 i uh it feels a little different today yeah it feels a little different today that's a big big number it is a high number yes it is a high number unfortunately i i wish you another 50 years of blessings and and happiness man you deserve it thank you i appreciate it my second guy, and this is a guy that uh, we didn't talk about when we talked about this before, but he does have a tie to the organization. Uh, and he's a big-time rival, big rival right now, to be honest Ooh. with you. And he's the third I'm... base coach. Big time, uh, third base coach for the Atlanta Braves, Ron oh. that okay. would be my I... That would be my second choice. Again, a guy that's still involved in the game and the new way that the game is played, but also a hard-nosed, old-school baseball guy who okay. has the work ethic that is legendary throughout the game. I don't even know if that would be a possibility. But me personally, I'd like to see uh, Wash get a, get a look. 
Okay. I, I didn't expect you to go with Washington, so I'm a little, <laughs> uh, I'm a little counsel. Let's go there. Yes, absolutely. It's too easy. He's a free agent. Uh, Stearns. The, the thing with Stearns, he's never hired a manager as the president GM. It was counsel was there. So yeah. this will be the first manager that he hires. Do I know Stearns? No. Do I know if Stearns has an ego? No. But I feel like if he hires counsel, if to him, if the ego comes in, oh, I'm just going to take the guy who I was with. Or the ego might come in. I'm going to hire my own guy and show you that I can do what I can do. That makes I don't sense. know. No, who knows? Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of to be determines out there. But I think a lot. that Craig is still a young guy, relatively speaking. He, he looks like he's 15. He does. He's, so he's always, always looked young. Um, yeah. Still fresh off the presses. He has been managing. Um, if they get him, I, I think it would be a great move. I think it would be a great I move. Agree. I agree with you. So, yeah, I think Council, because he's a free agent, number one, there's a lot that goes into it. Brewers extended him an offer. He's re- refused. He's got family. He's Wisconsin born. You know, he's got kids in college. He wanted to take a year off. Steve Cohen could just make him the highest paid manager ever and say, take it or leave it. Um, we don't know. Yep. The only person that really knows, David Stearns. Right. So uh, we didn't know this. You can't talk to Craig Council, even though their season's over, as they got uh, swept by the Diamondbacks, who yeah. surging uh, until the, se- the postseason's over. I thought right. they're, but okay. Uh, so Ron Washington, interesting. Players love him, even opposing players. I saw him during the All-Star game this year working with Pete at first with the ground balls, you know, and one of the, the one of their drills that he does. Yep. Uh, he's loved by the players. Um, I thought you were actually going to go with like a Walt Weiss name, you know, when I heard. But I don't know the situation around Washington. He hasn't been really talked about. So I can't really, you know, go further on that. But it, it, that's a good name. I like that. He's a good. Uh, I look. I played for Ron Washington. I think he would be a tremendous man. I played for him in the minor leagues. I played okay. for him uh, in South Carolina in the Sally League in Columbia, and then yep. again he was the bench coach slash third base coach at AAA because you didn't have as a big a coaching staff um, in the minor leagues. But yeah. uh, Wash is phenomenal. Uh, He's phenomenal. Yeah. He knows how to get along with the players. He knows the game. Um, you know, he was a utility player in his days. Yep. So I think utility players are guys that sit there and pay attention to the game. <laughs> you know, they pay attention and they learn things and they pay attention to like, signs being given. I'll give Tim Bogar as a name for a utility player who stuck around in the major leagues just because he was really, really good at watching the third base coach and figuring out what was going on or really, really good at watching pitchers to see if they held their glove a little different or might be tipping pitches. And, um, you know, I, I, I think Ron Washington, it might not, I might be talking out of my ass, but I think he would be a perfect fit for this, this group of, of players. Three things. We always talk out of our ass, so there's nothing wrong with it. Right. That, that's number one. Number two, you talked about Tim Bogar, utility players. That just reminded me of Joe McEwen, you know, third base that's coach after he played, you know, he's always just been in the rumors, uh, after he was a third base coach for the White Sox, but you know he's never managed. Super Joe's loved by Mets fans, but uh, you know that's always a name that pops up there. I want to get your thoughts on this. You said your counsel Washington. 
I got counsel and then I got a name that is made its way back. And I think you know where I'm going. I think you know where I'm going with this. I do. And, and I think people who are watching or listening know where I'm going with this. And it's two words. Carlos Beltran. Yeah. Uh, yes. I'm all for it. You? Let me give you a caveat before you go. Okay. I want Carlos Beltran as the manager, but I want an experienced bench coach okay. with him. That's, that's, that's the caveat. That's fair enough because my first thing I was going to say was I think that the New York Mets need a guy that's managed before at this point fair. in time. I don't think you need a, a guy that hasn't managed trying to get this team to where when Cohen first, you know, within three years, World Series. I would yeah. think that he's – he probably knows they're in a little bit of a rebuild, obviously, because of starting rotation and bullpen. But I don't think he still feels that those, those original words have changed much at all. So okay. that's my thing against Carlos. Obviously, I got a problem with the being the ringleader of the stealing signs. Uh, I got a problem with that. Okay, that, that's fair. That. You know, I have a more. I honestly, I have a bigger problem with that than pre two thousand and three steroid guys. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Pre two thousand and three, it wasn't against the rules. Uh, stealing right. signs has always been a thing, but uh, but not against the rules. It's stealing signs. But, but what the way they that did, you go about it, yes. the way that you go yeah. about it, I, I so, personally think that all iPads and all that stuff need to be out of the out of the out of the dugout. There was well, a time, yeah. what, there was a time when there wasn't even video. That was obviously before my time. But then in my time, if you wanted to go see your at bat, you went right into the down the uh -huh. tunnel and into the watched video it. room, watched it real quick, and then came back out. I seen yep. a few uh, photos of uh, dugouts this year. And it's six guys sitting at iPads staring down here while we're we're trying to score runs. So that's been going on for years. Yeah, they're all huddled I personally around have a that iPad with the, with the technology. I do. So okay, so let me ask you this, and be fair: if you have a problem with Beltron, who is literally named only by Manfred in that letter that suspended everybody and all that that came out right after he was named best manager in 2020, what? A.J. Hinch, manager of the Astros, suspended for a year. Back in baseball, been managing the Tigers. Alex Cora, bench coach for the Astros then. Suspended for a year, right back yep. to the Red Sox. So if you have a problem with Beltron, what are your thoughts on those two? They're back. They've been back. I, I, I think that the, uh, the punishment might not have been as severe or the understanding as to what it really meant, you know, to, to they win the World out. Series and to cheat. Like that, I mean, like I said about the steroids pre two thousand and three, because after two thousand and three, when they did the testing in the in the spring training, the anonymous testing, and then in right. 04, it became against the rules. Right. It wasn't against the rules, so you can hold that against guys if you want, but it wasn't against the rules. You know, it's just it's odd. illegal, but there's a lot of stuff going on illegal. I mean, everybody's you know driving to and from the stadium is breaking the speed limit or whatever it may be. You know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I just got a problem with with cheating in general with, when it comes to the game. I was a pitcher too, so if you're stealing my signs like that, and we're not allowed to throw it at your neck anymore because we're going to get suspended for five or ten days, then how about this wrinkle, though? Well, let's go to the steroids that you bring up. Outfielders can't manage. <laughs> okay, that too. Dusty Baker. Fair. That's it. Outfielders okay. can't manage. But pre two thousand uh, two thousand three. Pitchers were on steroids too. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I got no. I'm not. If right. you were doing do whatever, I'm not talking about him. Whatever. 
If, if, there yeah, came a yeah. time when if you weren't doing steroids, you were you were silly. <laughs> there's a reason Wait, why Roger. There, there's a reason why Roger Clemens is not in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, you know. Obviously, so yep. uh, after right. 03, 04 and beyond, then I got a problem with it because it was right. written in the rules, and you're not allowed to do it. And if you were doing it, right. And but even while that rule started after 03, I have a problem with the 2009 World Series Yankees. You know, anyone listening or watching, go through their roster. I'll leave it at that. Go, go, Google. 2009 New York Yankees, they won the World Series. Look look at that roster. Leave it at that. Uh, I would like Beltron to get another chance with that experienced bench coach. So, But then now, real quick, and then we'll get on, because I know we're going to be pressed for time. I know. Is What's the dichotomy then between the experienced bench coach with the inexperienced manager? you got to have the right bench coach that's going to be able to let that inexperienced manager stay and be, you know, and be all. Because there's a good chance that that experienced – and we'll take Rob Thompson as a, a perfect example. There's a yeah. good chance that that experienced bench coach probably wants to be the manager. Yes. Not, not, maybe not at your, at that, you know, at the, in that organization, but he probably wants to be a manager. The know? only way I, it's a great question. The only it's way I can answer. a tough spot for Carlos Beltran. The, right. And I was saying that he will get it. There's a lot of, he's stacked against, you know, a hard, a rock and a hard place. I don't expect him to get it, you know, but that's a great question. Let's let's just real quick go through who is available. It's really if you want to take guys who have never managed a team, he would be on top of the list of who would you know. Um, if you're not looking for the older managers, because why bring in a Joe Madden when you just fired a Buck Showalter? Right. You know, Madden has been on record. I would love to manage the Mets. Well, Mets had no reason to fire Buck then. You know, I'm not saying they're the same guy. I don't know. But, I just saw. I went to a few games and I saw some things that just didn't sit well for me. The no batting practice thing, and the nobody going out to warm up stuff. That that to me eventually lands on the manager's table. And then when you hear what Fam had to say about the the position <laughs> players. Now look, this was year two. If you leave people to their own devices, and the device is we're going to allow you to sit around and decide what you're going to do prior to this game. The longer that that goes on, the more complacency sits in, the less that these people were probably doing. Maybe that had something to do with this year. I, I have a hard time not – we're not taking batting practice. The whole team's not out there taking batting well, practice, and we're not being held accountable to go out and get ready. I held my breath a little bit on Buck out of respect for Buck. I had a, I had a problem with that when I go to the game. I'm like, where is me, everybody? I had a problem with that, and I think the no, fans okay. have a problem with that. Um, okay, let me give you – I agree with you, by the way. So take that into account before what I'm about to say. We all know that if they didn't take batting practice on the field, which is the norm, and it was the norm for ever, decades, ever, you know, fans came early to shag balls and catch a you know home run in the stands. I did it. But we all know they're taking BP in the tunnel, you know, not of course. Same. And I I know that that was my question. And, if we, and and I knew the answer. It's not the same. So the real question is, what the fuck? I why, don't know. Why, why? Not every team does that. I mean, so, I've been told it's the analytics guys saying that they need to rest prior to the game. So you're telling me for 150 something <laughs> years they didn't need to rest before the game, but now they need to rest yeah, before the it, game. It's complete BS. Yeah, As a I home agree. club, you go in and you sit down for an hour and a half after batting practice anyway. And yep. there was one guy out on that field every night getting loose, and it was Lindor. 
Yep. And everybody else came out when the smoke, when the stupid smoke came out of the sides of the dugout, <laughs> which there's uh-huh. no need for that in baseball. Because if you can't pay attention and be happy with the guys just running out onto the field and you need smoke, then baseball's not for you. And unfortunately, that's kind of where we're at with the sport. There's a lot of this isn't for you, but we're trying to make it for you stuff going on. in the, the, the Times have changed, and I agree with you. No need for all of that theatrics. Baseball is great on its own. We got, we got the Fenway Park, I believe, turning off the lights on a home run. You know, the guys Great. rounding the bases, they're shutting the lights off. You got you the, we got the Boston Red Sox wearing red jerseys at home. Right. And I know how you feel about the blue Met right. jerseys at and home. And there we so. go. I'm old and crotchety again. But there's 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 something to be said about tradition and traditional ball clubs. Yeah, and apparently that doesn't what, mean anything anymore. Let's let's move on because yep. we could do this for days. I know. Let's end on Billy Epler, uh, you know, with the whole Mets moves. Uh he resigned, took everybody by surprise. A right. couple days after Buck got fired or resigned, call it what you want. Nobody expected this. His reason was, oh, I wanted uh, – it's literally a quote. I'm not reading it verbatim. It's paraphrasing. But I wanted to give David Stearns a clean slate. Right. End, end quote. Quote by Casey Lynn. Full freaking shit. Something. <laughs> okay? End quote. There is something – and I'm not going to figure it out. And people are getting paid a lot of goddamn money to figure this out. Bill, you don't resign with two, le- two years left on your contract when you knew David Stearns was coming in for years. And, and if not years, for months, you know? So we're, we're – and the, I had, before you chime in on this, the MLB investigation on him, you know, exploiting or whatever, manipulating the phantom yeah. IL yeah. that – Everybody has been doing for ever. Somebody was a snitch. We don't know who and wrote to MLB. But even if they did, who cares? You know, everyone does it. I don't believe that Billy Epler resigned over two things. David Stearns needs a clean slate. No, you were prepared to be the GM. Now the Mets need another GM. I mean, even the, owner, even the owner, the owner even said that before this was all all said and done, right? The owner said that uh, Stearns will work above Epler, and Epler will still be there. So obviously yeah. something happened. Obviously something happened. Will we ever know? Probably not. Is it the Phantom DL thing? No. I'm going to be honest with you. I can look back at the season. Who would they have put on the Phantom DL that wasn't hurt? I don't really. Now the oh, Phantom got... DL is a thing, but the only place I really ever saw it in my career was at the minor league level when they didn't want to release a guy and we needed to get somebody up here for a week or something. And are we going to keep you around? I never really seen it in the big leagues. I, I really, you know, and granted right. I played five years total in the major leagues, but I was never asked to go on the phantom DL, you know? Yeah. You play, you played five years in the major leagues, but you played what? 17, you know, 19, whatever it was yeah, professionally. So professionally. it it's, it was always around, but it wasn't just the Mets recently. Everybody uses it, whether it was manipulation or not. And the Mets were singled out. So I don't know. Maybe Stern's got a good look at uh, Darren Roof and uh, uh, Vogel <laughs> Vogelbach and decided, you know what, right. we've got to go another direction. Okay. I don't but know. Then, I don't know. I mean, obviously, then, some some stuff happened behind closed doors that. Uh, that well, here's not, my. We're, we're going to find out. I, I can't tell you when, but it it will have to happen. Eventually. Nowadays, you wouldn't be surprised if you end up finding out because things yeah, kind of find a way to the light nowadays. He's, yeah, no. Two years left. You don't give up that job. 
even Stearns said, and this was a quote by whoever, that Stearns was like, you've been here. I, they're friends, by the way. Stearns and Epler are friends throughout the years. Stearns yeah. was like, you keep your big office. I'll go to the smaller office. You know, not a big deal. Well, you know, that is a big deal. You know, but God, everybody don't make, was. Don't make me not like Stearns already, please. It, it, this was just a <laughs> shock. I don't believe anything about it. Uh and now the Mets need a GM. Whether like, well, you would, I mean, you would think it'd have to be done relatively soon. I mean, obviously after the, the playoffs and World Series, because they have some holes to fill. And uh, there are names already circling, but I mean, this is getting old. I mean, how many GMs have they gone through? Quite a few over yeah. the year. It's yeah. too many. Let's let, let's move on, and we're going to do this quick. All right. Okay. We're in the middle of playoff baseball. Okay. Yep. Um. We, we did somewhat our picks before the playoffs started. And I remember your teams that you thought, you know, might go far, might not. Now that, that we're in the middle of it, and we're not going to say where we sit in the standing or in the playoffs at the second because they, they change literally by the inning. There's a game going on as we speak. Uh, at this moment in time, and if you don't want to give me your picks, you don't have to. But knowing what the series are right now, who do you like? Um. Up until late late innings last night, I was loving the way that the Phillies looked. The Phillies looked very, very strong. Obviously, the fan support behind them has been tremendous yeah. at their ballpark. Uh, the Braves squeaked one out last night. But um, I like the way the Phillies are playing. I think the Astros are always tough come playoff time. The Diamondbacks are – they got they got nothing to lose. You know, they're well, playing on just young, dumb, and you know the rest. Yep. Um, they look good. Uh the Rangers yeah. are looking really, really good. The Rangers are playing great baseball. They've got the Orioles by the, you know, by the nuts right now. So uh, I like the way the Phillies are playing. I like the way that the Texas Rangers are playing. And I wouldn't put anything past the Diamondbacks at this moment. Yeah. Uh, Diamondbacks house money, you know. Yes. And, it, it, and I've said this literally for two years, ever since the stupid rule with the buy and the seedings, you know, after the CBA, yeah. the new CBA, with six teams getting in half – too many because the Diamondbacks who could go on to the World Series win it all. Who knows? Eighty four wins. Come yeah, on, I know. Come on, it's it's giving me 06 Mets and uh, St. Louis Cardinals vibes. Right. When the Cardinals, you know, beat the Mets, and I don't want to go there right now. But they had like what eighty three wins total. I I think the thing is, and you know this, it's it's to keep more cities invested longer into the year. Oh, and of unfortunately, My- what we're finding out is which I've known for years. A lot of people have known for years that money grab. Well, of course, but it makes sense. It makes sense. It makes business sense. So you can't argue with that. But the fact that you're going to have a hundred win teams having consecutive days off at the end of the year, and people will say, Oh, but they get to set their rotation. Oh, they get to rest their players. Baseball players like to play every single day. Do they like a day off? Yes. But come playoff time, the anxiety and the excitement of getting ready to go out there and play. You want to get that first game. You want to get out there. You want to go. You want to play. So I think that that has been a detriment to the teams that win their division. It's almost getting to like you don't want to win the division. You know, you want to be Every, one of the wild card teams. Everybody but the Astros, it seems. And, and yeah. that's where people will tell you, well, what about the Astros? Well, you know what? The Astros right. have obviously proven that they're a special group, and yeah. uh, they do it every single year. Um, yeah. The Dodgers, maybe it's the L.A. thing, a little more laid back. Who Oof. knows? But, I don't uh, know what's going on. Uh, that, yeah, no, that that was the next thing we we're going to touch upon, and we did about the first round buy, and we just touched upon it. 
But you brought up the Dodgers. Let's do this real quick before the mailbag because we had a couple questions that came in this week. Uh, If you were a fan of the Dodgers and you're used to winning the division every freaking year, you're expecting, and it happens, to win 100 games every year. But you go nowhere in the playoffs, whether you're out in the NLDS, CS, you know. Uh, 2020 doesn't count for me. They didn't even get a goddamn parade. They didn't even celebrate the World Series at their own ballpark. They were in a neutral site in Texas. Right. You know? So take that out. Right. I don't know what's worse. Being a Dodger fan where you win the division and you win 100 games every year and you're out really quick in the playoffs or being a fan that has a chance every year and you don't don't know what's going to happen in the World Series, in the playoffs. It's a tough – I've thought about it. Would I want to be a Dodger fan? No. I'm saying you got to shoot for that, shoot for that first wild card slot. You know, you don't want the division champ. You don't want those well, days off. Listen, we're talking right now. We don't know who's making the World Series, the NL, but the Phillies made it as a six last year, and the Diamondbacks were the six this year. So, and the, you know, and they so. they're on fire, and they don't know any better. You know, they, you, there's something like, to be said. Sometimes it's all oh, they're not experienced, but there's also sometimes that. They don't know any better thing, and they just go out there and they're just playing baseball, and they're young and they're excited and they're yeah. just feeling the flow, you know. They're they're momentum, baby, you know. Yep. Right. It. Let's go to the mailbag. We got Let's a couple it. questions that we'll answer real quick. Jimmy Legs, he wants to know, Bill. Ninety nine played for the Brewers. You were teammates in the rotation with Jim Abbott. Yes. Now, Jim Abbott was born with one, I believe, hand. So. As a teammate and getting to know Jim during that year, inspiration? How in the world did he have a career that he had? And uh, just your overall thoughts on, you know, being born with one hand and having a great major league baseball career. Right. Well, obviously, there was no telling him no in his in his lifetime. Uh, Jim Abbott was a great teammate, a great person. I've been lucky to play with a lot of good dudes, and he was one of them. Uh, the guy could swing the freaking bat. He could. He was a great golfer. We used to play golf together. Oh, I didn't even know game. that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. You wouldn't even. You would. It doesn't even cross your mind that the man only had one hand. To be honest with you, um, he was a, a specimen. You know, great shape. Um, he threw a no hitter. Yeah. The guy was a great guy, a great ball player, and you wouldn't even think about the whole one right. hand thing after seeing the way he does it. He just did it so naturally. And obviously, yeah. like I said, there was no – you can't tell him no, that I, he wasn't going to do it. And he made sure it happened. Obviously, he was blessed with a great arm and blessed yeah. with a great body and obviously a great mind and a great work ethic. And um, top-notch person, top-notch teammate. I, I'm glad to hear that. Good. Yeah, that's it, it's amazing. It really is. Absolutely. Next, next question, your boy. He's back. NY. You even know it. I don't have to say. Oh yeah, it's my guy. <laughs> he ain't gonna let me down. Uh, no, he's not. This is a good question, like always. Uh, 2005 Cardinals reunited with uh, your boy, or you know, you're, you're coming up with guy Jason Isringhausen. Yes. Uh, I want to know, or he, he wants to know, and so do I. <laughs> uh, how how the the question was how was it being reunited after all those years with izzy and also he wanted to know your thoughts on playing for tony uh, larusa okay uh izzy actually had a lot to do with that uh me getting that that opportunity in 04 i played with the long island ducks and had a really really good year 
ended up winning a championship with them and then went on to winter ball, had a really, really good winter ball in Puerto Rico, went on to win a championship there and then playing the Caribbean world series. And, um, I was speaking with Izzy and Izzy said, you know what, I'm going to talk to uh, Walt Jockety and I'm going to talk to Tony LaRussa and we'll see what we can do about getting you into spring training. And, um, Lo and behold, I got into spring training, had a tremendous spring training, and made the club out of spring training. Unfortunately, Izzy had a bad spring training that year, and he Uh-oh. wasn't going anywhere. And I had to um, come in and clean up a little bit of his mess in a spring training game right towards the end. And I took a, a line drive right off of my pinky toe and ended up breaking my pinky toe, which you don't think okay. you don't think that's that important. Until you realize that you're walking a little bit funny, this, that, and the other thing, and ended up pulling a hamstring uh, yep. right after, shortly after opening day. But uh, what was it like? Anytime I get a chance to spend some time with Jason Isringhausen, I'm a happy man. Uh, me and him uh, go way, way, way back, you know, way back. And yep. I have got the opportunity to see him a few times over the last few years. Um, we do stay in contact through the phone. Uh, it was like anytime we get with each other, it's like we never, we never left. So he's a brother of mine. I consider him a brother. Uh, he has always said to me that the hype that I got as the number one prospect was something that drove him uh, to try to be better than me. Lucky for him, he, he ended up having a better career than me. But I'll take that as uh, a badge of honor that I had somebody pushing himself extra hard because of me. Tony LaRussa. <coughs> Tony was tough. Tony was very tough. Um but I also probably wasn't the best uh, pupil at the time. Maybe um, still going through some things myself. We're talking. We're, we're talking at, about 05, right? In 05, yes, in 05, I played for Lewis, uh, for the Cardinals. Then he, uh, he Tony was tough. Tony was tough, and they had the, their cardinal way, and it was a lot more subdued maybe than I kind of was as a player. But um, much respect for his baseball knowledge, baseball wisdom, but uh, difficult. Difficult, could be difficult, but uh, a brilliant baseball mind. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, uh, you and Izzy have a long history, and yes, you know, happy for Izzy the the success that he had as as a closer, you know, out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, three hundred yeah. saves is a big freaking deal, and we'll forever uh, be connected, good, we better, and different with uh, with the uh, yep. the Generation K. Obviously, we got, we got to get Izzy on here as a guest for sure. He would, uh, you know, what sure. we might have to make that happen. We really should. That would yeah. that would be uh, some right. good, good, good content. We're we're gonna hold you to it to make that happen All right. eventually. All right. Eventually, we're gonna make that happen. All right. We're going real quick to quick pitches. Okay. Bill's favorite segment, where he has no idea. Oh, I'm sorry. Gah. I have one more question, and he would be pissed if I didn't ask. Mailbag. Jeff Cohen, real quick. Yep. He wrote in our mailbag on Twitter again. Shay underscore hello. You could ask questions to Bill. He wants to know what players do in the offseason. You know what? I'm glad you got Jeff on there because I see him on the on the formerly Twitter page quite a bit. Um, I, I just can't call it X. I, it's just too strange. But, oh, it's uh, Twitter what, for what me. What do they do? Uh, look, everybody's a little bit different. You got the guys that are the hunters. You know, hunting season starts in November. So you got the guys that go do the hunting. Usually first things first is four weeks to six weeks off, you know, you're taking, and I was never a, a six weeks guy. I was always like a four week guy where you just kind of decompress a little bit, hang out with family, hang out with wife, uh, you know, just lounge around yeah. a little bit. If you live in Florida, you're spending some time in the pool. 
um, after four weeks, yeah. six weeks, it's, it's back to the grind. You know, you're in the gym, you're in the gym. I was six days a week. I took Sundays off. You're throwing, you got your throwing partner. Um, you know, you're up there. Uh, I was lucky cause I lived in St. Lucie. We had the, uh, the strength and conditioning coaches were there in St. Lucie. So right. I got to have, be, you know, workout being the eyes on. And I obviously had a good enough relationship that even when I wasn't with the Mets, I was lucky enough to be able to go up inside the Mets minor league clubhouse and use their training facilities. Cause uh, baseball is a brotherhood. Um, yep. So, you know, a little bit of time off the guys that hunt, hunt the guys that like to go watch some concerts, you go see some concerts, you go, you know, do your thing. You go visit family, maybe a little vacation, but it's not a long time off before you go, you're back to the grind again and getting ready. Yeah. It, it really is a full season of, you know, conditioning and playing. Really, it's is. pretty much eleven months. It's eleven months of, of getting, you know, trying to stay ready or get ready after that month. <laughs> I hope you enjoy that month. Right. Uh, let, let's go into the quick pitches, like we mentioned. I, I just could. I totally missed that. Uh, uh, good, good question, Jeff. Like always, keep them coming. All right, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Favorite athlete, other sport than baseball? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, 100%. Why? Uh, he was just like that. There's only a few guys in my lifetime that are like, something has to happen now. Something needs to be done. And he made it happen. Obviously, the flashiness of his play, he changed the style of the way that the game was played, did things that uh, nobody else ever did, had a player like Kobe completely, uh, I don't want to say mock or whatever, but to pattern his style of play after Emulate. him. Yeah. You know, so yeah. um, obviously won a bunch of championships. Um, I was a basketball, only six. Uh, yeah, I was a basketball player <laughs> as well. So uh, Michael Jordan, one hundred percent. I love that answer. I'm a big MJ fan, so absolutely. Uh, next one. This is a weird one. I, I'm yeah. trying to cup up. I'm trying to ruffle your feathers a little bit. All right. And you know, we've had a lot of these questions. If you. I'm trying to be creative as well. If you had the last out in the World Series, hypothetically, okay, mm-hmm. and you won it, you got you got the last out to win it, right? What is Bill Pulsiver doing that night after to celebrate? Oh, I'm getting extremely drunk with my teammates. You know, we're yeah, we're gonna we're gonna blow it out, and we're gonna have a good time on the town. Probably gonna hit a few places where I'm sure you're not gonna pay to go. Um, right. even on the road hopefully, I mean I did get a chance to win some championships albeit well, I, was gonna say, I, I knew I, see I knew that coming in with the question you know yeah. minor leagues Caribbean you know yeah there's I get a party it. with the team we're partying right. we're having a good right. time and we're gonna probably have a really bad headache the following day who cares not probably all definitely gonna have a, a huge headache and uh all worth it all worth it yes 100% but yeah with the teammates want to be with the teammates see the family real quick you know, but they bye understand bye. that yeah. um, this is this is team time and, and, and goal accomplished. Last question. Quick pitches. If you had another position to play as a major league baseball player, what would it be? I always love shagging fly balls. I would love to have played uh, shortstop, but I'm left handed. <laughs> I love shagging. Fly- First left handed shortstop ever, Honestly, guys. Shortstop would have been great, but because I was left handed. Uh, I would have loved to have been able to play center field. And I, I used to love shagging fly balls. I was part of my, you know, running where I'd had to, 
instead of the monotonous, tedious, just running, 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 you could go chase balls. You know, I almost had to get to the, I actually ran into Jeff Jenkins one time when I was playing with the Brewers and that didn't go over uh-huh. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he was built like a brick house. Yeah. Well, it, you yeah. know, and as a pitcher running into one of the position players, that's kind of a look down. No, no. But, um, yeah. yeah, center field, center field would have been awesome to go run some fly balls down. And then I, look, I loved Andy Van Slyke watching him play when I was growing up. And then obviously you've got a guy like Ken Griffey Jr. Who was a tremendous center fielder making those great catches. So, um, I wasn't always fat and old. So, uh, center field, <laughs> center field would have been cool. First base is too. Yeah, we know you're left-handed. Go play first base. I did that young, and then as I moved and got a little older, I moved to the outfield because the guy that ended up actually playing big leagues in the outfield was Brian Buchanan. They put him at first base because they said he couldn't play in the outfield, and he ended up being a, a major league outfielder, lo and behold. Yeah, I love the names. Yeah, bringing back memories here. Uh, we, you just turned 50. Happy birthday again. Thank you. You just, you just mentioned that you're, you know, you weren't always fat and old. Age is just a number, buddy. 5-0. <laughs> You know, right on, right on. Um, That's going to do it. Uh, Quite the episode. Um, We had a lot to catch up on as always. I had a, but we caught up on it and I I had extremely good time. Um, Before we uh, send off here and say goodbye, I got to thank anyone who was with us for the full hour here. uh, Our longest podcast of the year. Uh, But in retrospect, it was expected. We had to yeah. catch up from last week. Right. Um, and there was a lot too. So thank you for all who are listening and still are or watching. Uh, an hour is a lot of your time. So Bill and I respect it. And thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Um, if you are on YouTube, please subscribe. It's right there. Uh, you won't regret it because uh, Bill and me are just getting started, baby. Uh, at Say Hello on YouTube, we're, we're accumulating subscribers. Uh, it, it's, it's going well. I heard uh, two, we're I, up, to, up to over 200 now, right? I believe it, we're hitting three. Oh, really? So after yeah. 200, the next, the, the next 100 went pretty quick. I, I check. Apparently you don't. I think we're almost at three. I, and, it's only and, a few days ago I saw the 200. Yeah, Not that long it, ago. It, yeah, well, I did a, uh, a, a what they call on YouTube a short, uh, which you saw. It was about your, your story about your superstition. Right. Um, and I, I gave a little tease about, because I want people to watch it, obviously, about, we can say it now, Miguel Batista, uh, was it Miguel Batista and his, all that, third base? Was, was yeah, it Miguel but, Batista? Not right. Miguel, not Miguel. It was uh, Jose. Uh, who was, it was no, Jose, Jose Batista. Miguel. No, we went it was Miguel. Night. Miguel, third baseman. That got a lot of attention. Good. So, um, yeah, we're. I think we're we're hitting. Oh, subscribers on YouTube. Yeah, we're we're around wherever the hell we are in the two hundreds. Um, but uh, on Shay Hello Pod on Twitter, we're over around three. That's Great. where I was thinking of. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, we're all it, it, trending well. I hope people enjoy our content. Uh, w- over the off season, we'll try to get some guests. Uh, you know. Th- there's so much good content out there. So I'd be remiss if we did it. Um, and before we go and the last words from Bill, Stephen white behind the scenes. Thank you very much. Our producer does a great job. Roots dash recordings.com roots dash recordings.com. Just Google it. Check it out. You're going to like what you see. Uh, Bill, we had a good time here. Uh, you got anything else, buddy? Uh, sorry for running long, but I knew we were going to after missing and so much happened. So, but I appreciate everybody that stuck around 
to hear the whole thing. And even if you have to make it in two different settings to try to finish it all, make sure you finish it all. I thought it was a good, uh, a good, good time today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. An hour long podcast, but if you want to do a half an hour, take a little break, come back. It's well worth it. Anyone that did the whole hour, we appreciate you hit that subscribe button on YouTube and we're all on uh Shalo podcast, Apple, Spotify, uh, Google, wherever you get your podcast, we are on it. Bill, thank you so much. It was too long, even though we just missed one week, but it was well worth it. We caught up. Thanks, Casey. I appreciate it. All right. Everyone listening, I hope you have a great day, and we will see you next week on the Shea Low Podcast.